Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. And welcome to episode 14 of the No Meat Athlete podcast. I'm here today with my co-host Doug Hay, as usual. How are you doing, Doug? You know, I'm doing very well, Matt. How are you? I'm pretty good, too. <laughs> and uh, we're doing something a little bit different today. Instead of the normal, uh, Doug and I just kind of talk about nothing for 15 minutes before we go to a guest, we're actually going to jump right into our guest. So we have Matt Rusigno on the line. Matt, how are you? Hey, guys. Hey, Matt and Doug. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, for those who don't know Matt's name, and you probably do if you are a No Meat Athlete reader of any length of time, uh, Matt is a vegan registered dietitian, and as well as a few other letters after his name. Right, Matt? <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Okay. And uh, according to our Amazon book page, it's PhD, but I don't think that's really right, is it, Matt? No, that, unfortunately, that's not the case. So. <laughs> yeah, so they set up a little like temporary. Oh, so I should say this. Um, Matt is the co-author of the No Meat Athlete book that he and I wrote uh, coming out in October of this year. At least that's the the plan right now. And uh, there is an Amazon page. I don't want to put up a link or anything to it yet because it's not quite right. It has little like mistakes such as that one. Uh, the cover still needs to be updated with a few a few little tweaks and anything. So it, it is up and it says that you're a PhD. So. Um, <laughs> I don't know. We'll get that changed. And we'll Honorary. have to get linked because um, I I do have an author page on Amazon, so we'll make sure that links up because of the book I co-wrote with Isa. Ah, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's another uh, of your credentials or of sorts is that you uh, co-wrote Appetite for Reduction with Isa. How do you say her last name? Isa Chandra Moskowitz. Is that right? Yeah, that's okay. correct. Yeah, and that's a great book, by the way. We have it on our shelves. Uh, we use it all the time for several different recipes. It's a very, very good one. And you did, Matt, kind of like the uh, like the color commentary, right? It, like, you know, talked about the nutrition stuff in there and wrote, wrote a couple of sections. Yeah, I, I wrote like an intro to vegan nutrition and then, you know, I gave tips during the recipes and um, I did all the analysis and stuff for each recipe. It was, it was great. It was a fun project. Cool. And that's a little bit what you did with our book. You uh, kind of filled in a bunch of like nutrition tips throughout it. Whenever I had a question about like you know making sure that i wasn't saying something that was going to get me sued or something i would i would run it by you and then uh and then you also of course wrote the bulk of the main nutrition chapter the kind of that's like the more technical one um which was something that i just didn't want to write myself was not comfortable writing that um for you know for the reason that i'm not a not a registered anything <laughs> so uh anyway it's good project uh we'll, we will get to that in a little while i think you know we'll talk a little bit about kind of the just maybe what went into it, maybe the the tour, things like that, uh, which which obviously has not happened yet. But um, what we really wanted to talk to you about today, I think, as kind of our main topic, and I mean, this is kind of different because we're just gonna do, like, I don't know, since we know each other, I didn't really want it to be like a an interview, like kind of where we sit here and ask you questions, and you know, I just wanted it to be more kind of a hanging out show. So we're just kind of, uh, you know, we have a couple loose topics that we wanted to mention here, but you know, it's not like we're sticking to any sort of schedule or anything. But uh, the main thing I wanted to talk about kind of spins off of the post that you helped me out with um, about a week ago or something. It was called – maybe it was two weeks now. It was called, uh, Are You Getting the Nutrients You Need 
on a vegan diet or on a plant-based diet or something like that. And it was the one that included this infographic. And we looked at all of uh, Tim Ferriss's suggestions from Four Hour Body. Uh, he he kind of he talks about how <clears throat> vegans and maybe just vegetarians in general need to make sure that they are getting these certain nutrients. Which you know I didn't love that it, that it kind of I mean you know people on any diet would would kind of need to make sure they need they get these things if if vegans do. I mean it's not that not that our diet um, is sort of naturally deficient in this sort of things, but um, you know we just want to ch- take a look at what he was recommending and and see if these were you know reasonable recommendations if these were things that most people are already getting if you're eating a lot of whole foods and uh what we kind of wanted to go into here was was the idea of um that whether you should focus on like you know a really granular level like that where you break it down and look at individual nutrients or whether it's enough to just say i, I eat whole foods and that's that's all i need to worry about like it, you know that's, that's kind of a hot debate now um t colin campbell's book came out recently called whole i wrote about it today and someone in the comments on that post actually one of someone was wrote something like uh yeah i don't know why don't you read this book and then not even bother with posts like this anymore mm-hmm. and uh i mean I, I can kind of i get the point and after reading that i can see certainly where she was coming from um not to say that i necessarily agree with that but anyway we wanted to talk a little bit about that sort of topic so um, you know, I, I guess just a, a first question is, is what would be your response to, to a comment like that? Like, like why not just, just worry about whole foods and not even think about those other things? You know, I, I think it goes back to kind of uh, what Tim Ferriss was saying about, you know, if, oh, if you're vegan, you need to be really careful about these certain nutrients. And I think that that is the idea of the general population. I mean, registered dietitians say it all the time. They're like, oh, you can be vegetarian or vegan, but it has to be well-planned. So that puts the responsibility on vegetarians and vegans to know a lot more about nutrition than the average person, right? You know, no, like, omnivore who ever thinks about what they eat has ever had to, like, discuss vitamin D, right? They don't really think about it in general. Right. And so I think posts like we made, um, you know, are you getting all the nutrients you need, are important so that we do know where it's coming from. And, you know, when these topics come up about if our diet is healthy or not, we have answers and we can point to specific foods. And would you say that an omnivore needs to do the same thing or should do the same like has that same responsibility or or do we need to do that more because our because our diet is not the traditional one you might say well i i think um everyone needs to think about what they eat you know and should know where the nutrients come from and you know if they're beneficial and how much they need and i don't think vegans need to be any more careful but the response the perception is that we have to be and so that puts more responsibility on us. Okay. Does that make yeah. sense? So are we playing more by writing posts like this and having conversations like this? Are we actually playing more into that perception that we need to be more worried about it? I don't think when so. In I, fact, I, if we just eat a whole foods diet, then then we'll be fine. No, I, I mean I I think it's it's great to let people know where they can find these nutrients and what foods and know that they have a bunch of choices. You know that like. Calcium is in corn right. tortillas and calcium set tofu. Like, I don't think a lot of people know that. So I think those kind of posts are important <laughs> just to educate people. Yeah, and, and another thing is right. that you, I mean, as, as as vegans, you can't necessarily get everything you need from Whole Foods. I mean, B12 being the the obvious example that, that um, you know, Matt, we've talked about this, where some people 
will tell you you can get it different places like Tempe and uh, whatever that chlorella and you know you hear a bunch of them. Um, but but if you're not, you know, you have to get that. Basically, we've or at least what I hear from you, Matt, and uh, what I tend to believe is that you really need to take a supplement or get it from a fortified source. I mean, you're not going to find that in a whole food plant based source. Yeah, that's true, and and I think B12 is a, is an exception, like absolutely, and um and probably the only exception, you know, about what we can't get from whole foods, and and I think people should learn all these nutrients, you know, and know where they can get each, and then they should just focus on eating a whole foods diet, you know. So you know, Dr. Campbell is right in a lot of ways, um, and then back to B12, yeah, you know, I used to be a little cavalier about it, saying, oh, it's a nutritional yeast in soy milk, and you're probably getting it, but. Based on, you know, some work by, you know, Jack Norris and Ginny Messina really digging through um, what's been happening is a lot of vegans aren't getting the B12 they need, and it's crucial. Yeah. And I, so what, I oh, I'm sorry. I, I truly do believe that I was like, if not deficient in it, kind of getting that, going that direction. Because I, I had had the same sort of cavalier mindset, and I, you know, I had read somewhere in some book one time that said, basically, um, your body stores up a bunch of B12 when you're an omnivore. So once you go vegan, you, you have several years. And I think what I read was like 10 years until you, until it's an issue. Um, but I I started, I think, experiencing symptoms of, of running out of it when I because I was kind of like, eh, I'm not going to do it. And I take a multivitamin. And then at, one, at some point I said, well, I just want to stop taking this multivitamin because I'm, I'm really believing in the whole foods thing. And I just didn't think much about the B12. But, uh, you know, it, it was about two years after I went vegan and I, maybe a year after I stopped taking the multivitamin when uh, I started to notice some of, of the things that, that are these these classic symptoms, which was the um, the tingling in, in extremities. I did have a little bit of that. And I'm blanking on the other one. What is the other? Uh, the Maybe other was it fatigue-related or, or memory? I know that those can be some of the symptoms. No, it was not either of those. And it's strange because I, mean, I actually was experienced, so it's not going to sound like I'm just making this up and wasn't actually <laughs> experiencing the symptom. But... um. Anyway, I'll look that up and, and get back to you. But anyway, yeah, and it, it's 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 crucial and it's important, and that doesn't make veganism any less, you know, uh, beneficial, right? Because and we talk a lot about this in the book, I think, where you know you have to get all your nutrients first and foremost, and then secondly, it's like, are there benefits to eating more plant foods? And like we're finding that's absolutely true, but the first step is to make sure you're getting all the nutrients. Right, and and what I have heard. Um, Actually, by the way, before I move on, it was um, the pleasant symptom of uh, digestive issues. So, <laughs> that, so I guess I've selectively blocked that. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, um, the point I was going to make was, man, I'm blinking on everything else. Oh yeah, that that, and I've read. I think it was Joel Furman where I where I read this kind of idea, and it was that if you look at like some of the healthiest populations historically, um, they all eat very very little meat. And the idea that this and this I don't know if this is like a legit or this is even what he intended, but what I kind of took from it was there are very very few nutrients that do come from meat like B12 that are you know that that a tiny amount of meat or animal products will get for you. Um, otherwise, plants are so much more nutrient dense, um, at, you know, per calorie, many more nutrients, all these great phytonutrients and everything like that that. The less less meat you can eat, you know, while still getting these basic things, and then 
the ideal situation would be if you can just supplement with the B12 instead of even having the meat at all. So instead of having a 95% plant-based diet and eating 5% meat, just do 100% plants and actually supplement with the B12. You're kind of headed to – that's like the ideal situation. Right. And and the B12 discussion, when you really get into it, it's a lot of things. And it's not vegan versus meat eater. You know, it gets into industrial agriculture and cleanliness and, and changes in our small and large intestines and bacteria. There's a lot to it, you know, and we've changed. And the way our body uses B12 and where it gets it from has changed over thousands of years. Yeah, and that's a great point because you hear a lot of people who – I hear people who say that they are 100% raw vegans. They do not supplement with B12, but they eat a lot of so-called dirty produce, which I guess is is you know totally non non industrial farmed produce from the dirt and and you know in the soil they they claim that they're getting this the B12 from from it that way. And, yeah, I mean they're they're taking a risk and I, and I think that it's a disservice to veganism. I mean I don't know if you caught any of that Wall Street Journal video chat they had with Dr. Campbell. And then the paleo guy and Issa Moskowitz was on it for a minute. And the paleo guy just kept referencing these studies um, that show that vegans have B12 deficiency. <laughs> and it's <laughs> right. true. I mean, right. it, the education isn't there. And a lot more vegans need to know this. So for for a listener who's maybe not taking a B12 supplement right now, you know, uh, if they're, you know, eating fortified cereals or things like that, is that enough? Or do you... Um, or do you need the spray or, or something else? You know, that <laughs> there's there's a kind of two schools of thought on that. And I, I, I lean more toward if you know it's a fortified product and you are getting plenty of those during the day, then you probably don't need to supplement. But for most people who, you know, have cereal occasionally and soy milk occasionally and maybe a veggie burger with B12 occasionally, they should be taking a supplement just to cover their bases. And I don't say that with anything else, but I do for B12. Okay. Yeah, and just to back that up, B12 is interesting. And maybe there are other nutrients um, and vitamins that are the same way. But with B12, like the recommendations, and I've seen plenty of ranges and things, but you can get – I've seen them as, as low as like 2.5 micrograms a day. Um, up to maybe like 10 micrograms a day. But if you take it once a week, you need 1,000 micrograms. Have you heard that, Matt? I mean, you, you've seen that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's because of the way, you know, the body pools it or, or whatever, how much you can actually use at one time and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking if, if you are someone who gets it, like you just said, like if you're someone who says, well, I, you know, I, I eat a veggie burger every once in a while and, and every twice a week I put nutritional yeast on my stuff – if if it's a very very small amount like your daily amount like 10 micrograms or whatever and you're using it at that kind of frequency then then it's not going to be enough you know because if you were only eating it twice a week you would need a much larger source according to these sort of sources and i think jack norris is one of them actually yeah i mean his site veganhealth.org if any of your listeners really want to get into these details it's a fantastic resource i mean he links all the studies he discusses it um it's it's wonderful i mean it's what i use honestly to keep up to date on this so it's cool that he um makes all this available for everyone it's really helpful that yeah that's one i've used a lot and probably from knowing you but i think i think often that comes up in uh just google searches about different vegan nutrition questions um, not to make this a, like a full-on B12 conversation because that's <laughs> our point here, but um, just I'd like to know the answer to this. Matt, what what kind of uh, – you know how there are two forms of B12 or two common forms at least? Yeah. There's the cyano something and the 
methylcobalamin and cyanocobalamin. Yeah, I've heard, yeah. I've heard um, different experts recommend different ones, like like different people who you know you would think at these at these high levels of understanding they would agree, but um, there seems to be some debate about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I lean toward the um, the cyanocobalamin. You know, that one I think has is better absorbed. Okay. Interesting. Um. So. And, oh, go ahead, man. I, I mean, I'll just add one more thing: is um, you know, even vegans who know about B12 may not know that not all nutritional yeast has B12. It has to be fortified nutritional yeast. Okay. That, oh, that, I didn't I, know that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um so just to just to you know kind of bring this back to the whole foods thing mm-hmm. and to clear up something i don't matt have you read um dr campbell's book whole no it's fairly I, new. I, I intend to it's on my list hopefully in the next couple yeah, weeks the, the interesting thing about it is i and i wrote this today in my book post um i was expecting it to be about eating whole foods and kind of like you know 200 pages of of evidence for why you should eat whole foods versus the alternative eating eating processed foods uh foods that are only fortified you know just eating junk food that's fortified with vitamins kind of at you know as we get into high-tech food and health food type stuff um it really wasn't about that at all it was it was there was some of that and then we're kind of like throughout the book he would kind of go back to certain examples but the thing i mean the entire thing is really just a, a big sort of criticism of the current state of of science and how reductionism is is just king everywhere and that that's where the money is and that's where that's where companies make money and that's where where they'll you know that's how any study gets funded um is you know by being very reductionist if, if you try to go out and say you're going to do a a holistic and, and holistic he spells whole with holistic with a w instead of an h or wh i guess i guess just to get away from some of that um you know the, the bad connotations of, of the word holistic but how anything like that um is is just immediately criticized and and kind of you know people who do that ostracize in the community and you know he complains very much about how he's felt some of that and how he thinks the china study should have changed the way the world eats um especially you know especially the western world uh and and it really didn't and it seems that he kind of blames this that's it's almost like that's what prompted him to write whole and and kind of to, to attack and maybe rightly so um the the scientific community Interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that it got into all of that. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very, like, philosophy of science question. It's like, yep. it's, it's, it's really hard to come to conclusions about which foods are helpful and which aren't. <laughs> it's not easy to do. And um, people want to make, you know, big conclusions based on a few studies. And uh, it, it, the evidence really isn't there to do that for a lot of things. Right, right. And yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it's totally is. It's it's a philosophy of science book, and uh, and he's not saying that reductionism is a bad thing. I mean, he's he's arguing for just science to be kind of more open minded, you know, more in what scientific is supposed to mean. I mean, being open to all possibilities, and as long as they you know can sort of pass scientific muster, which which a holistic study does. Um, so you know, he he thinks that in combination with reductionist studies, and then kind of ideally separating science from from some of the money which which makes a lot of sense but is very very difficult to do i'm sure right and yeah and that was kind of the sense that i got at the end of the book was like you know what do we do it's like that i mean the problem is just so pervasive and and just deep that like it it was just kind of frustrating to even read it was like you know where do you even start and and his solution is is everyone start eating a whole food plant-based diet that was that was really what he said 
is is the way to to make the change. And and I guess you know that would, if enough people did, it, it would make a difference, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, All right. So, um, yeah. I mean, I I don't know what else to really say about Whole Foods. It's it's just an interesting topic. Like, um, it even gets down to 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 the problem with the argument. Like, you can't really write a two hundred page book about why Whole Foods are good because it it seems like maybe you know the science the reason whole foods are are good um seems to be for many reasons that we don't yet understand right that that food is far more complicated than than science can yet really understand we can we can identify certain vitamins certain nutrients um it seems like we're identifying more and more but you know when they start to interact with each other um not to mention you know, many that, that maybe we're not even seeing yet on some level. And I, I don't claim to, you know, really understand how this sort of chemistry and all this, you know, biology works at, at a very small, you know, level. Um, but it's, it seems that, that it's just not really something you can write a big scientific thing about, like why hope is work. You can show maybe from data that it does. If you just, you know, look empirically at, at people who are eating this sort of whole foods versus, None, and I think in longer term studies that that sort of thing will will come out, and you you would hope to start to see that um, you know the data that that does show that eating whole foods is much much better than eating processed foods that still contain these vitamins added back into them. But uh, yeah, it just seems like it's it's kind of a weird problem because you the problem is that we can't we don't yet understand that, so we can't really write a, a long book about why why whole foods are good. Yeah, and it comes down to um, the sort of the transition that the nutrition field is in and going from making sure people get all the nutrients they need um, to now preventing chronic disease. And and what's preventing chronic disease isn't, you know, making sure everyone gets enough vitamin C or B12. It's are they getting these, um, you know, phytochemicals and antioxidants? And, and that's what we're finding is beneficial, and those are found in you know, plant foods. <laughs> right. and, and, and I think that honestly is where a lot of the benefits that we do see in the research um, is vegetarians and vegans who eat more fruits, vegetables, and whole grains have better health outcomes. Right. What, Matt, do you think about um, the idea that, that we can, that we can, that a multivitamin, first of all, is good, um, just, just to sort of take as your backup plan, um, versus... You know, getting like mega doses of, of vitamins that are generally accepted to be okay. Uh, I've read a lot about this recently that that even even something like vitamin C, where where we we have kind of this idea that well, if your body has more of it than it needs, you will just get rid of it in your urine or whatever other means. Um, maybe that's the only means. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but you know, in, in Dr. Campbell's book, and I had read a similar thing in Dr. Furman's super immunity book before that. Uh, you know, there are, there are tons of interactions that go on. So when you take this megadose of vitamin C because you're getting sick, uh, aside from the, the timing issue, like, you know, it, it, you're probably too late anyway to, to make a difference at that point, um, you're, you're, you're throwing off a bunch of other things. Like, yeah, maybe your body does get rid of the vitamin C that it doesn't need and it doesn't really apply it anywhere where it's going to cause a problem. But now all of a sudden all the other nutrients in your, in your body are in the presence of this megadose of vitamin C. And, uh, you know, so even something we've kind of thought to be harmless in, in large doses may really be screwing things up. Uh, what's your take on, on just multivitamin use in general and, and then maybe like the mega dose type, type of idea? 
Man, the whole megadose thing, it's, <laughs> I mean, there's no proven benefit. I mean, there's no proven benefit of taking excess vitamin C, and it's it's the last nutrient someone eating healthy would need. I mean, a bell pepper alone has like four days worth of vitamin C in it, you know? Right. You're already going to pee out that extra bell. <laughs> right, right. And, and it, it's unfortunate, and, and you see a lot of this, I think, with vegans and vegetarians, where they're are fixating on the actual nutrients, you know, so when they don't need to. Right. And, and, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what, so what do you think, I mean, particularly about a multivitamin, like, do you, do you take one and recommend one for, for athlete clients? If you're, and by the way, Matt has, he, he deals with a lot of, uh, of vegan athletes for anyone listening. It's not just kind of, is that right, Matt? you like, it's not just standard vegan nutrition. It's you generally take athlete clients. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I get the, the full gamut. I mean, I, I have friends who compete at a very high level that I work closely with. And then I get a lot of people who are just training for the first marathon or ultra marathon. And they might be vegan or mostly vegan already. And um, I help to make sure that they are getting all the nutrients they need. And to answer your question, I mean, if you're really active, you're actually at an advantage because you get to eat more. (laughs) You're eating an extra thousand calories a day and you're eating, you know, more brown rice and broccoli and kale or, you know, fruit smoothie. That's just all the more nutrients you're getting. So you especially don't need a multivitamin. Hmm. How about your, your average, you know, someone who may be running a couple times a week, but, you know, isn't out training for ultramarathons? You know, it's, it's totally possible to do. I mean, I, I've worked with clients who have caloric needs that are as low as like 1,400, which isn't very many. Right. <laughs> I've, I've probably eaten a 1,400-calorie burrito, you know, <laughs> an entire day. But you you can do it if you're actually eating these fruits and vegetables. You know, as Matt said early on, they are really, really nutrient-dense, which means you're getting a lot of nutrients for a few calories. The problem is a lot of vegans aren't eating as much fruit and vegetables as they should be. <laughs> right, right, right. Very true. Yeah, that's so, that's a big. Go ahead, go ahead, Doug. Well, I, I, I was just gonna say. So, you know, aside from from that, um, you know, what are the other major differences between the you know that you instruct vegan athletes versus uh, maybe regular, you know, non-vegan athletes? No, no, still still vegans, but non-athletes, right, Doug? Yes. Sorry. I mean, what are the differences? Like, how do I approach it differently? Or? Yeah, like, just, just athletes versus sedentary people. I mean, how, well, how obviously they eat, I mean, generally, a, a, a typical vegan diet, you know, someone who's not focused on health is, can be very poor, obviously. But when you're trying to set someone straight with their diet, um, you know, how do you approach it different for an athlete versus someone who is not, assuming they're both vegan or, or at least vegetarian? Um... Well, I'll start with athletes. A lot of the athletes that come to me, one of the first things I do is I reduce the amount of protein powder they're taking if they are taking it. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of vegan athletes are kind of replicating, you know, omnivorous athletes and obsessing over protein, you know, and it's really helpful that I can show them the numbers and say, look, you're getting, you know, 150 grams of protein a day and you need two thirds of that, you know? Right. And so, and, and they like that because I say, you know, you don't add fewer powders to your smoothies, you know, save yourself some money and then just eat <laughs> some other food. Right. right. Um, and then, so, and for your average person, um, you know, I want to make sure they're getting these nutrient dense foods. And I would say, 
you know, kale and lentils and quinoa are probably three foods I recommend all the time. Okay. Right. So, and I mean, more calories for athletes in general, right? But, but not as you've written in a book, like not necessarily more protein for athletes, just because if you're eating more calories and you're keeping protein at 10 to 15% of your calories, you are automatically getting more protein than a regular person, right? So, I mean, do you, you change like the nutrient mix at all for, for athletes versus non-athletes? You know, not much. I keep an eye on, on the iron. You know, athletes do need some more iron. But again, if they're exercising more, they're getting it through their foods by eating more. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I guess, you know, what the other thing that I really wanted to get to, Matt, was um, just some of what you have done as an athlete because, you know, there are, there are first of all, not that many vegan RDs out there. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty more than I know about, but... You know, I thought that was one cool thing about you when I when I first heard about you. And by the way, Matt did did an interview for um, the Marathon Roadmap, and it's one of the consistently most praised ones that I get emails about. Like people, you know, email me about which ones they really liked and all that. And uh, Brendan Brazier, Rich Roll, and Matt Rusigno are like the three favorite interviews there. It's a really really good interview, um, kind of about marathon training on a vegan diet. And I think at the time I was vegetarian and kind of kind of included that in the in the mix there sort of vegetarian considerations but we didn't go into that much but uh it has a ton of good information in it so anyway i i had found you some i don't know where we even met but um once i realized that not only were you an rd who was vegan uh and was totally on board with vegan nutrition but also uh you know a pretty extreme and accomplished endurance athlete um i mean i think the most the most uh interesting of your events to me at least the one that i we've talked about a little bit is the furnace creek 508 which uh why don't, why don't you tell us like what that is i mean I, my way of thinking of it is like sort of the bad water of cycling because i know it's put on by the same people and uh yeah. maybe in the same place right yeah it, they're both adventure core events and you know bad water is the 135 mile running race uh through death valley and the furnace creek 508 is um point to point as well it starts in santa clarita um, goes through Mojave and then up over Towns Pass through Death Valley and ends near Joshua Tree. And it's one stage, 500-mile nonstop bike race with a 48-hour time limit. Hmm. Wow. I, I mean, I, that doesn't mean that much to me. Like, I don't I don't know how hard it is to ride a bike 500 miles in, in 48 hours. Uh, it, it sounds pretty difficult, though. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. And, and the fact that it's by yourself and, and one stage, like, that's, you know, just to kind of make that – Point clear like the tour de france uh is is many many stages right like 25 or something right and you know they get done and they go home and they you know someone feeds them and then they sleep and then they wake up in the morning and go out again but this is just you race through the night you know my finish times have been in the the mid 30 hours you know and yeah. uh, I, i've done this race three times and one time i didn't sleep at all i just rode for 37 hours straight or whatever it was mm -hmm. So it, it sounds a lot like Badwater because I think I think I don't know if 36 hours for them is I don't think that's a cutoff maybe maybe it is but I think maybe it's a cutoff to get a medal or something but you know people run in in the anywhere from whatever I don't know what the record is 20 20 some hours up to 40 I think so I mean yeah. it sounds very very similar yeah they are it's it's this whole like ultra endurance you know mindset and I, I never intended to get into this I just you know, I graduated college and I rode my bike cross country and it was super fun. And then I was just doing centuries and I found out about, 
here in California, we have a double century series where, um, you know, 200 miles in one day. And I didn't even think that was possible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I look it up online and I'm like, wow, there's a ton of these. I guess people are doing it. Let me see if I could do it. And I signed up for one. And then, you know, a few years later, I'm at the start line of this 500-mile bike race thinking, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> right. right. And I think that's a lot of people's experience with ultra marathons. Like when, when I first – I was all into like marathon running and had done probably five of them at the time. And I just didn't even know that people ran more than 26.2 miles. I just thought that was like the limit when you when you stop running. And then I realized people ran 50 and 100 miles and 135 and whatever else. And it's just crazy. There's this whole other world. And so it's in very different – culture and different type of sport um and when i think of marathon training versus like 50 mile training or 100 mile training it just it just seems entirely different the mindset's different uh and i think it attracts a different type of personality to to do it it does it's like i never considered myself an athlete which was funny you know Mm -hmm. I, i i did my first iron man and i was like well i'm not a triathlete i just thought it would be fun to go to norway and do this race you know <laughs> right and uh, and i probably train half as much as most of those folks do and it, it, you know i don't know i'm just lucky i guess but um i like these things because they're fun and when mm-hmm. they're not fun i don't do them and then i you know miss it and i start getting into it again right yeah. So what kind of what kind of nutrition are you taking on a 36 hour bike ride? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, and and this is the hardest part, and this is where I really help the clients that I work with. Is it's so individualized. Right. And if you're eating a healthy diet, you have to. How can I say this? Sometimes you have to make compromises in order for your stomach to be happy because at that <laughs> point, it's just fuel, right, you right. know, and I'm not going to eat bananas and dates for 36 hours. And so I do resort to like, um, I mean, pretzels are amazing. It's just straight fuel. Um, I do do some of the drinks occasionally if I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the amount of time you actually spend raising is so small. I mean, yeah, 36 hours or whatever is a long time to raise. But if you're just going to eat eat what we otherwise think of as pretty junky food during that time, I mean, it's not. I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't even consider that when I'm raising. Like, like, is this a healthy food to be eating for for the long term? Because I mean, that, that's not your point. The point then is to get through the race and and do the best you can. And it's just such an insignificant, you know, amount of time that you're actually eating that way when you eat entirely good the rest of your time, or most of the time. Right. And that's a huge point that's much bigger than just, you know, fueling for races. It's that what matters most is what you eat most of the time. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people obsess about never eating certain things, but it's more about what you eat most often. Yeah. Right. And and I've thought about that a lot recently. Like the the idea that that people say that you are what you habitually do. And um, you can say the same thing about eating. You are what you habitually eat. And like that, you know, that that's really what makes a difference like if you when you get into a habit and you eat the same food every single day you know whether it's a cup of coffee in the morning or a smoothie in the morning like a healthy thing or an unhealthy thing or whether or not you consider either of those things healthy or unhealthy and i've heard i've heard both sides of the argument for both of those um you know that's something you're eating every single day and i mean in 10 years the amount of times you've done that it's just i mean and a ton of times and a ton of of impact you've made to your body versus the once a week or the less than once a week splurge on something. And I'm not saying that, that like that's the right thing to do is, is have a splurge meal once a week because I don't know. I think it depends on the person. But 
but that's, it's just a tremendous difference in, in what you habitually do versus what you do just sometimes, like such as during a, a long race or, or during a, you know, going out to, with your friends to a, to party or whatever. Right. And, it, you know, I just did this little speaking tour and um, it's funny. I'm, I'm always like, I'm always geared up to get ready for like paleo guys to show up and argue with me over all these like minute topics. And, you know, in like 12 events I did, that didn't happen once. The <laughs> criticism I was receiving was from like ultra, ultra like health focused vegans. Yep. You know, I had a photo of a breakfast that had tofu scrambled vegetables, whole grain pancakes, and some like homemade veggie sausages at this like amazing cafe in Vancouver. And someone emailed me and told me I should take that junk food out of my presentation. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm like, no. I mean, <laughs> our, your your interest is very narrow, and right. I I want this to be broad. And if some people need that breakfast to eat more vegan food, it's not a bad thing. Right. Yep. And that I I fully expect that to be. And I thought of this exact thing that um with with our book, I think that will be the criticism. And I, I don't think. You know, and, and like we're gonna do a book, or I'm gonna do a book tour, and I hope Matt that you'll be joining me for for one or two of the California events at least. Um, but I fully expect that that to be the big thing, like much much more than paleo people showing up uh, and and kind of criticizing or, or you know fighting about veganism. Um, like you know the the book is written for, and this was like a conscious decision I made. It was like, do I want to write this for the really really healthiest vegan audience and like put the m- most healthy possible you know, advice you can put in here or do I want to put the thing that's going to make the biggest impact and be the most approachable thing to, to someone who's kind of like, yes, I almost eat vegetarian or yes, I'm tempted to go vegetarian and I kind of want to go all the way. Uh, and my decision was, was to make it do what I think would have the biggest impact and make the most change and do the most good. And that was to, to put advice in there that, that, you know, I don't think is, is necessarily like, like, do I think I should eat less, oil than slightly less oil than I do and slightly less salt than I do. Yes, I think it's probably would probably be in the best interest of my health to do that. But I also think that if I were to fully cut out my the oil, as as many, many people in the vegan community argue, and many, many argue the other side too. But if I were to full out, fully cut out oil, fully cut out added salt, fully cut out caffeine, fully cut out alcohol, I would be eating in a way that that for me would be unsustainable, at least at this point. Like I, I know I just would not stick with that. Now, now maybe maybe if I kind of in, made a plan and tried to get there over the course of a year and gradually reduced quantities of those different things, then I might get there. But I didn't want to present that as like the diet I recommend because it's it's not the diet I recommend because I don't think for most people. I mean, when you look at what the average person eats, or even the average person who who thinks of themselves as a fairly healthy eater, um, you know, it's it's not even close to that. And so if you want them to get to this next level. Um, I, I think that next level should be one that that still has a lot of appeal to it, like you know a lot of foods that that taste good to those taste buds. And you know, granted, taste, taste buds will change somewhat um, as you as you start to eat more fresh and whole foods and vegetables, and you know, stop stop using quite so much salt and quite so many condiments and all that different stuff, and you know, just getting out of processed foods and more into raw stuff. But uh, you know, it was it was a conscious decision to to make it something that was approachable. And something that I thought could impact long-term habits better than that—that that extreme, um, you know, admittedly very, very healthy approach. 
Right. And, and I think that's why we work well together, because I agree mm-hmm. with that. You right. know, we have to step back and like, what do vegans make up in the U.S.? One percent of the population. And the research isn't there to say if you eat, you know, fake meat twice a week, you're going to get cancer. Like there is no research that says that mm-hmm. it's taking this idea that fruits and vegetables are healthy. So therefore, that's all you can eat all the time. And it's just that it doesn't work that way. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and I don't know, I don't want to old man this, you know, I'm only in my early 30s here, but <laughs> I've been vegan since I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. most of the people that were vegan then aren't anymore. And yeah. so I want to say to some of these people that are so strict, you know, hey, you know, talk to me in five years. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or even, I mean, even if it does work for that person, and chances are, if they're that, that extreme about it, that they're arguing with you, I mean, there's a good chance that they are going to stick with it, because it's something that fits their personality and fits their lifestyle but you know i have i have two kids and it's like crazy busy and i just do what i can to get them to eat to eat good whole foods and like i I just can't do like the the full-on all raw all the time no oil no salt all that stuff and you know again it's not that i think that's unhealthy at all i think i think it probably is healthier and, and all else equal if you could do that uh, yeah, it'd, be, it'd probably be slightly better than, than someone who does make occasional allowances. And, you know, I don't even know if that's true. I mean, maybe maybe a very small amount of oil for some reason is good. I don't I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Plenty of athletes. I mean, Scott Jurek, Brendan Brazier, they are both advocates of eating oil. And they're they're two, you know, very, very high level professional athletes. I guess I don't know if Scott Jurek is, is a professional or not, but he he uh, has made it into a career for himself now with with speaking and his book and all that. Right. And. You know, it's it's and don't feel guilty about that. I get a lot of people who feel guilt, like, oh, I went out to eat and I ate at Native Foods, and oh, and I'm like, <laughs> hey, like an all vegan meal, right? Like whole grain bun <laughs> with kale salad, and you feel guilty. Like, step back for a second and look at your life. You know, right? Like most people on the street would be like, I'm I'm not eating that. I'm not going to that place, and not because they think it's like super it's healthy. Too healthy they would, yeah. Right. Right. And it's you know, what do you do most often? Like. Are you getting like 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day? And, and a lot of people are, you know, a lot of vegans are. Most people are not. Right. And it's okay to eat some of those things. And I, and I imagine someone's going to hear this and be like, yeah, this dietitian said to go to native foods, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I, and honestly, you know, if they do, like, that's fine. Some, some people will, some people will, uh, will, will be turned off by, any, no matter what approach you take, people are going to be turned off by it, and that's that's really the only way you you choose an approach that that will resonate with people and make people say, "Wow, this is this is this is speaking to me." Um, so I mean, you need to pick, and and that's kind of what we have chosen, and and uh, I think I think the results are good. I'm I'm very very happy with the book. We we finished up the uh, I guess it's called the proofing process, maybe now I don't know. Then they call it they call it sending us the pages. And like we, I, at least I got this big FedEx pack in the mail of like the actual like these legal size pages printed on them, and had to go through there and and circle with red pen all the stuff. And I think I made a thousand edits. I told you, Matt. Wow. Uh, you know, 250 pages, four edits a page. Um, at, at least that. I think probably more. Uh, and not not you know, I think I'm sort of like really really anal about some things. Like when it's my own, I just want it to be perfect. And I imagine they're rolling their eyes when they when they got that thing back via FedEx like <laughs> to make all those changes, but. Anyway, it, it was exciting to see it all together and see the design and everything, and it really did come together well. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to to see the next stages, and um, you know, like I said, we'll be doing this tour, or I will be doing this tour with my family for some of it. 
uh, it's going to be the month of October is the plan, and I'm going to basically just drive, um, try to hit 25 to 30 cities. Maybe it'll go slightly more than than uh, October might run into November too. And uh, the plan right now is to do, you know, make it all the way across the country to start in kind of New York, Boston, um, go go through like the northern kind of way, like Chicago, and then down California, back across the southern side of the country. So that that's kind of the plan. Um, pretty soon I'm going to be putting up on the website like a little form for people who kind of want to, who would like to be hosts for the events because we're kind of looking for hosts. Um, I'm not trying to do like, I don't want to do a traditional book signing where you just go to a Barnes and Noble and, and everyone stands in line and you give a little talk and then they come and like get a book sign. Like I, that just feels weird to me, first of all. Uh, and second, I don't think people really go to those things anymore. Like apparently they're kind of like, that's what Stephen King does, but not really many other people have success at, at that, which I, I can make sense to me. I wouldn't probably go to see even an author that I was pretty interested in, um, if that was all it was going to be. So it's going to be more like running and little, you know, like maybe cooking demos, maybe things at co-ops and whatever, and just try to find a bunch of like fun, funky places like that, um, really just to hang out with people and then whatever, go get go get a bite to eat or drink afterwards. And uh, I'm going to put up a thing on the website that will let potential hosts, you know, go on there and like sign up and just kind of explain to me what what uh, their venue, you know, could offer. And hopefully we'll have, hopefully we'll pretty much fill up the the schedule and have a bunch of cool places and then you know really get to i mean really what this is for me more than anything else is is an excuse to go across the country and see it first of all and second of all to go meet a bunch of like nomad athlete readers and get to go like see these kind of cool funky places in different vegan friendly cities for the most part so you know i think it will be an amazing experience for me uh, my family is going to join me on at least some of it probably not at the events themselves but um to come kind of see at least the west part of it uh, they'll probably fly out there and meet me there and uh, spend a couple weeks out there that way so i'm looking forward to it and uh madam like i said i really hope that you can join me on like a san diego or la event or maybe both and i'm gonna try to meet up with some other people too like like uh, leo from zen habits has said that he'd be happy to do the san francisco event with me and you know i think i think i probably know someone in almost every city now just from, from doing this online thing for four years now so chances are there'll be a lot of cool co-hosts and things like that and uh I don't know. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I've always wanted to to do something like that, like just drive around and see the country. So this is a perfect excuse. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And you know, there's a there's a great community out there of you know vegans and vegetarians, and they love to see people putting work in toward it. And um, I'm sure you'll be graciously accepted and uh, have people show up and come. And it sounds like it'll be great. And I hope I can join you for some California ones. Yeah, hopefully. And I, I've heard. Like like uh, Chris Gillibo, who who runs uh, the site, uh, the Art of Nonconformity, I think is the name of it, and he he put on the um, World Domination Summit in Portland, and I went to it the first year. It's very very cool thing with kind of like online entrepreneur types, people who are artists and doing different things, like a very very cool crowd. Um, he did one of these things, and that's where I actually got the inspiration to do it. Um, and he you know as big as his site is, like I mean his site is is humongous. It's, it's probably ten no meat athletes. And he said, like, in, in their event, in their tour, I think he tried to, he went to every single state in the U.S. That was his big selling point of his tour. Uh, he said they had at some events, like, as few as, like, I think, like, three or four people. <laughs> so, you know, I fully expect that there's going to be one or two places where it's where it's nobody, where it's just me and, like, it's just a total <laughs> flop. But um, whatever, I'll, I'll handle that when it comes, I guess. But, uh, yeah, hopefully for the most part. I think I think ha- being vegan, vegetarian, and that's a cool thing, like, I've said from the very beginning with No Meat Athlete is that, 
like when when you're writing about that topic and doing work about this topic that that so many people are passionate about like it's a very small group of people but a, a group of people who are really really excited and they want you to succeed and they want this information to get out there um and that's kind of a built-in thing that that just really I think made no meat athlete succeed. Like people wanted to share things because they like to spread the word about um, vegan and vegetarian nutrition. No matter if the stuff I'm writing is any good or not, people still just share it. And well, that, no, there's a lot of, of that. There's a lot of bad stuff out there, so you should give yourself credit. <laughs> that's why it's shared. <laughs> right, well, that's good. I'll give myself some credit. But um, yeah, but I mean, so I think hopefully I have that going for me that and that people will kind of be interested to, to kind of support anything to do with with plant-based nutrition so hopefully it'll be fun um people listening you will you will hear a lot more about this soon not necessarily on the podcast but if you read the blog you will um blog by the way is nomeatathlete.com with no hyphens we always seem to forget to mention that uh in our in our podcast and the other thing that we have not been doing is telling people to please go on there to itunes and rate and review the show i know it's annoying when people when podcasts do that but um we don't run any ads or anything like that and i hear plenty of that on podcasts too so um, you know, I don't think it's too bad to, to ask people to do that because it does matter. iTunes does care about that sort of thing. They want to see people rating and reviewing it regularly, not just like not just this, you know, not just a rush of reviews the first time and then never again. So if you haven't done that yet, please do it. It's a, it's a huge help to us and it helps get the show like rated, like get high in iTunes so that they suggest it for people. Um, you know, kind of goes back to spreading the word about this sort of diet. So, um, please do that and uh, we appreciate it. Um, all right. Well, I guess, you know, that's kind of it. I don't, I don't think I had too much more to say. Um, and I have to actually go because we are, my family is going to go to this, uh, there's like this, speaking of, of, uh, <laughs> eating, eating not the best food all the time. There's a, uh, wine place near us that has, there's all these food trucks in Asheville and there's some new Portuguese one. So this wine place, and this is a great idea, is having a food truck every Wednesday night. And basically, they're kind of pairing wines like like that match the food truck's food. So tonight's the first one. It's a Portuguese truck, and there's always, almost always, a vegan option or two uh, with Asheville with food trucks in general. I think, right? Yeah, I've yeah. had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we are going to do that now, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm sure they're going to probably put a little bit of oil in their uh, <laughs> in their appetizers, and uh, and I'm sure they're putting alcohol in the wine too. I would imagine. <laughs> Sounds so, like fun. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, it will be fun. That's what's that's a cool thing about Asheville. We we've loved it for, for uh, the food reason among many others. But that that's really been the primary one. Like kind of the, the access to good food. Like vegan food for us back in Bel Air, which is like a suburb of Baltimore, was was like non-existent. It was like one Indian restaurant where we could go and get two of the dishes that they offered on the menu, and it was uh, not very pleasant. But unfortunately, that's the way it is for a lot of people. But uh. You know, we did it, and and people do it, and uh, I'm glad. It's a cool, it's a very cool thing about about this this community that people that people do that. You know, I mean, it is it is a sacrifice sometimes. There's no doubt about it that when you can't go out to eat, that you know you're you're giving up something, but you're doing it in favor generally of something that you that you really do care about it and that means something to you. And you know, it's cool I think to 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 you know give impose a food like that problem on yourself. It's kind of a high level problem to solve now, like not just like what kind of food am I going to eat, but what am I going to eat that's vegan? Um, so I don't know. It's, I think it's cool, and uh, we're lucky, basically, nowadays. <laughs> it's true, and things are getting better, for sure. Oh, they and, absolutely are, yeah. And uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to plug my website, which is truelovehealth.com. 
Um, mostly because we have that day in the life of vegan athletes video series. Yes. And, yeah, I should um, I I should have we should mention that that that's a great series. Um, it's they're actually really really well done like videos. And I think Matt, you work with like a professional filmmaker for that, right? Or someone who at least is a very very good filmmaker. Yeah, she's she's a professional filmmaker, which is funny because I tell people about these videos and they're like, oh yeah, that's great, some videos. There's tons of them, and then they watch it and go, holy crap, that's really good. <laughs> and then yeah. I get all the credit, but really she does all of the work. All right, the work. Yeah. right. Yeah, so we'll link to a few of those in the in the show notes. The one that's jumping to mind for me is Mike Arnstein, uh, just because he's someone who I've been in touch with a little bit recently. But uh, I mean, there are plenty, plenty more athletes. Many of them, I, I would imagine, are as well known as him. Um, some lesser known, but but all with really interesting stories, and it's it's very cool. Um, so yeah, check out Day in the Life series of Matt's. Um, what else? Now we're in kind of like the plug section where you just plug everything. Doug Runner dot com. Go to that. Uh, Doug wrote. He posted his. Oh, if you haven't seen it, he put the uh, race report up, or not his race report, but his his report about the hundred two mile. Uh, Doug, what is this thing called again? I don't this this newfangled fast packing. Uh, fast packing. Yeah. yeah. There you go. So Doug put a race report up, uh, and it was good. I liked it. I put it on Facebook and Twitter. But if you didn't see it, uh, check it out in the bottom of the show notes here. And uh, anything else? Not really. Um, keep really keep an eye out for for book stuff um, from the No Meat Athlete book. We're gonna be doing some sort of big like pre-order push as soon as this Amazon page is situated and looks looks good um, to my liking. Uh, some sort of like big thing where where like if you if you get your pre-order in by this date, I'm gonna give you all kinds of good stuff and maybe some sort of special, I don't know, webinar or or some kind of cool thing where 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 you can ask questions or whatever. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And uh, you know, I, I guess that's about it. Like not that much else to to promote. Next next podcast we're going to hopefully having a guy named Ray. I believe it's Cronis or Cronice. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, I spent four and a half hours on the phone with him the other day uh wow. talking about yeah he, he's like he was in uh he was in the four hour body you know i don't know if either of you have actually read this book but he's the guy who discovered well i don't, I don't know if discovered is the right word but he he first sort of formulated the idea that michael phelps couldn't possibly with, with all the food that he was eating because they showed it on the news some sometime like all this you know twelve thousand calories he was eating he figured out that that Michael Phelps's cal- caloric expenditure in the pool, um, you know, just from movement, couldn't possibly be enough that that Michael Phelps wouldn't be just packing on pounds and pounds of weight and fat. Uh, so he finally kind of hypothesized that it was the cold water that was that was doing it, and this kind of spawned all these ideas. And Tim Ferriss kind of took it and ran with it. Um, these these cold weight loss techniques, like like putting an ice pack on your neck or or maybe even ice baths, sort of these cold contrast shower things. And uh, you know it was it was a very a fascinating topic and it was kind of like the turned out to be the big selling point like or like the big thing that the media focused on with the four hour body. Hmm. Um, so anyway, he has like a lab in his house and he does all these different experiments and knows a bunch of different people and very very interesting guy. I think somewhat controversial in some of his approach, but uh, we're gonna have him on soon. I think it's gonna be the next time. And uh, I've been doing like a few little experiments of his that he has has suggested that I do and just to sort of see how they go. Uh, one of which is is taking these hot cold showers after runs, and uh, they they're like hell to actually do them. Like, <laughs> it, it's like freezing cold water pouring on you. You have to wait for it for ten seconds, and then you switch it to warm. And I've done ice baths before, and I thought they were bad, but there you like you can ease into it. This is just like all of a sudden you're blasted with ice water, and Are you it's switching like switching back and forth, or is it? Uh... Yeah, you go back and forth after certain intervals. 
Okay. And uh, it's it's like I feel like it's like this like fight or flight response actually gets activated, and I feel myself like I can't breathe all of a sudden, and I want to just like do something and run away and and just like you know go fight or or run, and uh, it's crazy. It's just weird stuff. But I don't know <laughs> if it's good. I, I I used to think that these things were dangerous, and I'd heard some things that were dangerous. Um, he he kind of gave me some some reasons not to think that anymore. Uh, I'm not suggesting that anyone does this, by the way. It's sort of an experiment I'm doing, but I, I do not recommend it until you really look into it. Um, but anyway, that's just kind of a little taste of like the stuff that he he's doing, and he has all kinds of cool stuff. He has a TED Talk or TED Med, I guess it was called. But anyway, very cool guy. We're gonna have him on soon. I hope in the next episode, but it could be uh, like two two episodes from now. But anyway, just wanted to tease that a little bit. And uh, I think with that, we will wrap it up. Matt, Matt, do you have anything else? Uh, anything else to say? I mean, TrueLoveHealth.com is is your site what's your, your twitter name matt are you still true love health on twitter yeah i am i okay. am and the only other thing i would plug really is just um vegetarian nutrition.net which is uh this practice group of dietitians that i work with and we just do our best to get the most you know recent info on nutrition and vegetarians out there and that's nutrition vegetarian nutrition.net yeah I, I should have you, you would think i would have mentioned that you were like the chair of this uh <laughs> great, great nutrition council. I don't. I don't even. What was it, Matt? The, the American it's, Dietetic Association. Is that what it was? Yeah, it's it's under the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, which used to be the American Dietetic Association. And within that, I was chair of this group of vegetarian dietitians. It was great. We have fifteen hundred members, and we get the nutrition info out there to the vegetarians and vegans and curious who need it. Gotcha. So minor little position that I forgot to mention just now. <laughs> <laughs> Very All cool. right. So anyway, Matt, thank you very much for for your time. Um, yes. I'm excited. I'm sure we'll be, you know, talking a lot more and hanging out more with the, with the book and all that. Um, as if we haven't done enough for that. Uh, <laughs> with the 500 emails we've probably exchanged already about it. But uh, well, anyway, thank thanks you. a lot, Matt, again for your time. Yeah, thank you both. It was great to be on. Take care. Okay. Thanks see you later. Soon. All right, Doug. So I think with that, uh, we're gonna wrap it up. I don't. Uh, I don't. I mean, anything to add to to what we talked about there? Don't think so. I think uh, we. Covered it all and let you get down to the to the food truck wine yes. event. Down to the wine tunnel for the a wine Portuguese tunnel. food truck. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if any Portuguese food is vegan. I went to I lived in Spain for a few months in uh in high school. Like each year I would go for three weeks at a time, uh and like live with families. And it was an awesome experience. But I I was, vegan food was the furthest thing from my mind back then in high school. Um. Right. But I don't recall anything being vegan at all, and I don't know. I'm, you know, a lot has changed. Maybe that was that way back in high school in the U.S. too. But uh, I'm not sure about Portuguese food. But I know, you know, they do like at least Spanish people do tapas, and you could always find some sort of vegan sure. appetizer-y some, things. Right, some vegetables and stuff like right. that. Right. Yeah. Assuming that Portugal is Spain, which of course it is, right? Because they're because they're next to each other. <laughs> yeah, it has to be the exact same. Right. right? So they must do tapas and not. The U.S. and Mexico. <laughs> right, of course, yeah. And Spain and Mexico are also the same country, by the way. Just oh, right. Because right. they speak the same thing. Yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly. <laughs> All right, on that note, um, we will call it an episode. And uh, thanks, Doug, for your time. And uh, we will we'll be doing another one pretty soon, I think, with Ray or someone else uh, or just us. I don't know, but soon enough. So thanks, everyone, for listening. hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, you know, let us know feedback because this is a new format to sort of just hang out with the guests, not really have set questions. Um, please let us know how it goes, um, and then or how you know how you liked it, what you what you want more or less of. And again, if you can if you can give us a rating or review in iTunes, we would really really appreciate it. So thank you very much, and we will see you all next time. All right, thanks all right. a lot. Bye.